0: Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 166, Uncharted Territory. Hi, I'm Neil. A lot has changed in the world since we last talked with each other. Hopefully all of you, your family and friends are safe. I am going to assume that your daily schedule is nothing like it was just a few weeks ago. Here in Connecticut, we are in a stay-at-home directive. I believe there are 21 U.S. states in a similar type of directive in which, essentially, we're just trying to minimize gathering, going out for just the essentials. Schools are closed, pretty much indefinitely. I don't think anyone really is is thinking schools are going to open anytime soon here in Connecticut. Uh, So I am fortunate that uh, my wife is Watching the kids for a little bit so I could actually record this podcast episode. One observation that I had was that the news cycle wasn't just changing day by day, but hour by hour. There was a lot of information flowing around. And it seemed critical to keep on top of the information, to figure out, What is my state deciding in terms of directives or in terms of health recommendations? And I think a lot of you probably were in a very similar situation and still are. And what you're trying to figure out, what's the best thing to do? What's the right thing to do? Not for just you, but also your family and recommendations for your friends. And so when it came to deciding what to write about in terms of weekly articles and then what to record for this podcast, I wanted to wait a little bit. I didn't want to rush into an article and not really just take into account what actually has been unfolding here. Not focus on some of the little details, but the big picture. Along those lines, I do think there is some interesting things to talk about when it comes to Apple and how the company is navigating a global pandemic I think by the end of the episode, what we'll discover is that a lot of what we will talk about when it comes to Apple can apply to other companies, and not just other giants, but even small companies, small businesses. And there may even be some points here that apply to families and how some people are trying to navigate the current situation. So let's jump right in. When we look at the past month, In terms of the news flow, it's safe to say that more has happened in the past month from a global economic and health perspective than in the past 10 years. As I record this podcast, there are about 200 million people in the U.S. that find themselves facing some type of stay-at-home directive. In terms of countries that are in complete lockdowns, the list is pretty long. includes Italy, Spain, France, the U.K., Australia, and India. We could look at travel around the world. It's essentially come to a standstill. Many people are now trying to find comparisons between the coronavirus pandemic and other historical events in the past. But I think such an exercise will prove inadequate. When you look at Silicon Valley, it finds itself in the most difficult operating environment it has ever faced. Apple's strategy for navigating the coronavirus pandemic is centered around continuing to move forward, however difficult that is proving to be. We see management taking recently learned lessons from how coronavirus trended in China, South Korea, and Japan to come up with a blueprint for what to do around the rest of the world. Over the past two weeks, Apple has announced a number of initiatives and actions related to slowing the pandemic in the U.S. and around the world. In addition, Apple has announced a number of things in an effort to help those workers on the front lines. So the first major thing is that Apple and many of its corporate peers were early in embracing social distancing, allowing employees to work from home. This was primarily targeted at trying to keep employees safe. And this is where it was difficult trying to keep on top of the news because you're trying to figure out What is the best thing to do? And so a lot of corporations, they knew that working from home really was the only option, keeping essential employees, that the list of essential employees as short as possible. The next announcement, which was related, was Apple deciding to close its retail stores in the U.S. Apple actually closed all stores outside of greater China. And this is primarily due to protecting the employees, but also the customers making sure that you didn't have large gatherings. And that's the thing about Apple stores is they're crowded. There's a lot of people in a pretty tight spot, relatively speaking. You have workshops. You have a lot of people looking at the same devices in a very short amount of time. And so Apple made a decision that they just could not remain open. And as we later saw, very shortly, other retailers followed Apple. And then in a number of states you have directives in which most of the retail establishments are closed the decision of the close retail stores wasn't an easy one it wasn't a light one for apple because these stores are vital sources for customers looking to get help and service for their communication devices apple retail stores are not just places where you go to buy products a third of Apple Store visitors are there for service. And as we're seeing with everyone staying at home, those communication devices are gaining value. We are using them in ways that we never thought we would. And I say that in terms of these devices, an iPhone, an iPad... It's really the only way we can communicate with some members of the family, with friends. It, it's unfortunate how this has developed, but that's the reality. And for many of us, we don't know how long this is going to continue. And so these devices are essential. And for many people, if the device, for whatever reason, is not working, if they're having an issue, well, they can't go to an Apple store. Now, Apple has tried to transition most of this online, and I'm sure a lot of it can go online. But there really isn't a direct replacement for being able to get help in store with another person taking a look at your particular device and, and trying to give you some advice. The third announcement was Apple joining most of its peers and donating medical supplies that had either been stockpiled to protect employees from. The California Wirefires, or were in some way connected to Apple's supply chain in manufacturing apparatus. We could also add two more things Apple coming up with a dedicated section in Apple News for coronavirus news. That curation, I think, is very important, very valuable these days. And also, Apple has made some changes with the App Store in terms of making sure that the apps that are out there that are related. To the pandemic giving people information are from legitimate sources. All of those actions are desperately needed, and they should be applauded, and they should serve as a model for others to follow. And I think when you look at the private sector as a whole, a lot of companies are coming through and at least trying to help where they can. There are two other announcements from Apple that spoke volumes as to how the company plans to navigate the coronavirus pandemic. The first was unveiling a reimagined and revised WWDC, that's Apple's developer conference. Since Apple holds its annual developer conference in June, a little bit later than, say, Google and Facebook, the company had the time to turn misfortune into something positive. And so what that means is they didn't just say, well, we're canceling the in-person component of the conference. Instead, they announced, well, we're doing something different. We are unveiling this reimagined online-only WWDC. Now, the details about this conference are still very light. For example, we don't exactly know when it's going to take place. All we know is that the schedule is for June. So that's when it was originally scheduled for. That seems to be what Apple wants to do. But I think it was telling how Apple framed this whole thing. The second announcement was Apple unveiled a number of new products. So we had updates to the MacBook Air, Mac Mini, iPad Pro, a new Magic Keyboard with Trackpad for iPad, 20 new Apple Watch Bands. You have iPad OS 13.4 that brings system-wide support for cursors, trackpads, and mice. By the way, when it comes to these iPad announcements, I would recommend going back and listening to episode 165. I think that really did a good job at putting some of those iPad announcements in context. As large portions of the U.S. hunker down to combat the coronavirus, and Apple's board likely was invoking emergency plans given the deterioration in market and operating conditions, Apple went forward with plans for its biggest event of the year, WWDC, and its spring product release. Along with doing its part to help combat the virus, Apple is also recognizing the reality that society doesn't stop Even during a pandemic, that decision may come off as distant, maybe even careless, as if Apple isn't willing or doesn't want to recognize the seriousness of the matter. However, in my opinion, that is a misreading of the situation. By continuing to move forward, even during a pandemic, Apple is being true to itself. We can take a look at what kind of company Apple is. Apple's is a toolmaker. They develop products capable of improving people's lives. Such a mission never stops, even during a pandemic plaguing 180 countries. Consider some of these reports out of China. In which there apparently is sustained demand for iPads. Why? Or how? Well, despite the lockdowns and quarantines, families were looking for education tools. You have children spending time away from the classroom. The U.S. now finds itself in a very similar situation. We have some states closing schools indefinitely, such as here in Connecticut. The plan is I think. Schools may reopen at the end of April, but then the governor says that probably won't happen either. We can look at employees. Many are finding that work obligations haven't disappeared, even though they're now working from home. And what's so difficult is all of this is unfolding in the face of new challenges, such as closed schools, closed daycares, the need to keep families safe. This is not easy. In such trying times, we still need functioning tools in the form of smartphones, laptops, desktops, even wearables. You then have all of the services, all the software powering those tools. Already, a lot of people have reached out to me saying, Do you think Apple may rethink a couple of things here in terms of different services? Because you have almost the entire private sector working from home? And the answer is yes. I am sure that a lot is going to change from this. We can look at FaceTime. One has to imagine FaceTime usage is at record highs as video calls replace face-to-face interactions. You have Verizon. I saw Verizon CEO this morning talking about how even just traditional phone calls, they're through the roof. It would be an understatement to say that Apple faces challenges in its quest to continue moving forward in the midst of a pandemic. Consider some of these developments. The first stay at home directives. California is currently in a stay at home directive under which residents are urged to stay at home and only leave the house for essential needs such as food and medicine. A couple days ago, California's governor said that he didn't think there'd be any significant change to that order through at least mid-April. We have Tim Cook, along with most other Silicon Valley CEOs, following that order, working from home. Over at AboveAvalon.com, in this week's article titled, Moving Forward in a Pandemic, I included a short video clip that Tim Cook posted to Twitter, apparently from his home office, in which he talked about some of the actions Apple is taking to help those on the front lines. Google referred to California's stay-at-home directive as a key factor for canceling its developer conference I.O. completely, altogether. They're just not even holding it. Apple's announcement of running with a revised WWDC this June was announced prior to California's stay-at-home order. What that tells us is it's not entirely clear how Apple can create an online-only WWDC while employees are urged to stay at home. In a worst-case scenario, will we see executives and employees give presentations and product demos from their homes? It's possible. The next major challenge is social distancing. There is irony found with how social distancing efforts, which have been proven to be very effective in slowing the virus spread, stand at odds with the vision and goal behind Apple Park as a place for spontaneous collaboration. Even when these stay-at-home directives are rolled back, and we know they will be eventually, Apple still faces a massive challenge in keeping employees safe from the virus at Apple Park and other corporate offices. There are retail closures. As we talked about earlier, Apple closed its 460 stores outside greater China. According to my estimate, Apple has about 70,000 retail employees. And so most of them have been unable to help hundreds of millions of Apple users. Apple has announced plans to slowly reopen stores, but it seems like the company is going to be taking a localized and costless approach to those openings. There are then travel restrictions. And in my view, this one is very difficult for Apple and for really any company that has a lot of employees that need to fly around the world. Apple's massive supply chain and manufacturing apparatus require Apple employees to spend time with partners on the ground collaborating on product development. Last year, an unintentional leak from United Airlines showed that Apple was responsible for 20% of all business seats that fly between San Francisco and Shanghai. I still can't believe the percentage. (laughs) It speaks to the degree to which Apple's design, engineering, and operation teams spend time in Asia. The coronavirus pandemic has resulted in a near halt In global travel. Even when these stay at home directives are lifted in the US, or let's say countries in Europe, their lockdowns are lifted, it is logical to assume that there will still be issues in terms of global travel. You're going to have countries be extremely cautious in letting travel just return to normal. It is logical to assume this will have an impact on Apple's product development timelines. Take all of those challenges, put them together, take a look at the overall operating environment, and I think the conclusion is that the next 12 to 18 months may be the most difficult operating environment Silicon Valley will ever face. Not only are travel restrictions possibly a long-term problem, but you then have the risk of additional virus waves in the fall and winter, we may see permanent changes in how companies get work done. Some of the challenges found with the coronavirus pandemic may very well lead to product launches being delayed. Despite having one of, if not the most formidable supply chains in the world, Apple isn't immune to disruptions. The products Apple unveiled last week were mostly ready to go prior to the coronavirus pandemic spreading around the world. Some people may think that the products Apple is working on today are targeted for release in a couple of months. Instead, you have to go out further. The products Apple is working on today are targeted for release 12 to 18 months from now. The implication is that we shouldn't just think of well, are the flagship iPhones for 2020 going to be delayed? Instead, we need to think of Apple's intended product launches for 2021. There are then the financial implications, which we have not talked about in this episode. Wall Street oh, how do I say it? It's been panic. I think that's probably the best word. There has been panic on Wall Street for the past couple of weeks. You see the stock market going up and down 5 to 10% seemingly every other day. Despite having $40 billion of cash and cash equivalents and another $167 billion of marketable securities on the balance sheet, it is imperative that Apple recognizes market dislocations in short-term lending markets. One thing I learned working on Wall Street as a sell-side analyst was that even stellar balance sheets can turn south very quickly. Now, some of that is unique to the insurance industry, which I covered. If you had a company price a certain risk incorrectly, sometimes they don't realize that until years later, and that is not a good development for the balance sheet. So yes, things are a little bit different, or maybe a lot different, for a company like Apple. However, we are talking about a pandemic, and so the phrase, even stellar balance sheets can turn south quickly, I think it certainly applies to a pandemic, and it applies to a lot of companies in a lot of different industries. The reason being is that there is a potential for a financial fallout from a prolonged period of subdued customer demand. No one knows for sure whether or not customer demand will snap back in the U.S. and Europe once all of these stay-at-home directives and lockdowns have been rolled back. We can look at China, South Korea, and Japan and get hope that the answer is yes, demand does start to come back. Even then, though, no, I think some companies are going to find, now things do not just come right back. You're going to see a lot of change. With the U.S. clearly attacking coronavirus differently than some of these other countries like South Korea, Japan, it may mean that the rebound will trend differently as well. One takeaway from all of this is that liquidity is crucial during a pandemic and during really any time of unknown and unease. A similar principle applies to balance sheet preservation as management teams and boards have to contemplate the chances or the likelihood of certain lending markets being disrupted or simply just ongoing market dislocations that can impact balance sheets very quickly. While all of those preceding challenges and risks are daunting, a realization that is only starting to sink in is that the top five giants, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, Facebook, they all have business models that aren't dependent on the public leaving their homes. It's an observation that will have implications for decades to come. It doesn't mean that certain business models are immune to something like a pandemic. Each company has risk, and each company is going to see some of those risks materialize in the coming weeks and months. And yet, when you look at other businesses, other industries, They are essentially coming to a halt as people remain indoors. So I think it's telling that the Giants, they're set up in a way that I don't think people have really spent a lot of time thinking about. We can maybe call this a byproduct of the Bobo Revolution. There's a lot of truth to that. Nevertheless, it's something that I think more people are going to talk about going forward. When it comes to looking ahead a little bit, Apple finds itself at an advantage to most of its peers, as they saw firsthand how China, South Korea, and Japan handled coronavirus and are now working to keep the virus at bay. In terms of supply chain, Tim Cook and his inner circle were at the company during the SARS outbreak in 2003. Johnny Ive reportedly spent three months quarantined at Foxconn during the SARS outbreak. A good number of Apple executives were at the company during the aftermath of September 11th, 2001, when Apple unveiled the iPod six weeks later. There were then the natural disasters that Apple's supply chain works around. However, there is something about the coronavirus pandemic that is different. It's a type of challenge that Apple has never faced. Earlier this week, Nike reported earnings, which were better than consensus expected. Nike's new CEO, John Donahoe, of eBay fame, said the following, quote, We know it's in times like these that strong brands get even stronger. End quote. He's right. The best brands will come out of this challenging time stronger than ever. Why? The companies with the best brands always strive to continue moving forward. Let's go do it for today's episode. I did want to point out that despite not recording a podcast episode or publishing a weekly article the past few weeks, I have been continuing to publish daily updates for Above Avalon members. In some ways, the daily updates make it easier to handle this news flow, which is changing hour by hour. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the story headlines for each update is found over at AboveAvalon.com. Just go to the daily updates page, and you'll see. That I've been talking about everything from reports of the new flagship iPhones potentially being delayed to some of the major news in terms of the stock market. We went over Nike earnings. I think there are some interesting takeaways as to what Nike learned in China regarding coronavirus and how that could impact some of Apple's strategy. Tim Cook is Nike's lead independent director. I have then talked about share buyback coming under fire, Foxconn News. You have, of course, Apple's new products. I had some thoughts on those. So simply put, there's a lot in those daily updates. I am proud to say that Above Avalon is fully sustained by memberships. And so if you enjoy the discussions and analysis found in these podcast episodes and the analysis in the weekly articles over at AboveAvalon.com, I am confident you will find a lot of value in becoming an Above Avalon member and receiving these daily updates. These are emails. Each is about 2,000 words and typically covers three stories. They are sent directly to your inbox. Above Avalon members also have access to the archive and the member form, so you can go back and read previously sent daily updates. To become an Above Avalon member, just head on over to AboveAvalon.com and then go to the membership page. There are two membership options available. It's either $20 per month or $200 per year. In addition to having the sign-up forms be on that membership page, if you scroll down a little bit, there's more information on group and corporate memberships. You can gift a membership to someone. There's the full list of member privileges and benefits. And then I have answers to the most frequently asked Questions. So all of the information is in one spot. And of course, if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out. There is a contact page over at AboveAvlin.com. You can also contact me via Twitter, at Neil Seibart. With that, I will conclude today's episode. Again, I hope all of you have been safe and will remain safe and are finding ways of navigating the difficult time. I have confidence that we will eventually return to some level of normalcy. Hopefully that is sooner rather than later. But for now, take care and I will talk to you all later.